Welcome back to Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker, and joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Tremel. That would be me. Hi. How you doing, lady? I'm great. How are you? I am good. I'm really excited about today's topic. So I am too. So for those of you joining us, we're actually continuing a conversation that started on our last episode uh, of Wayne and I together. And we discussed his book, Long Distance Teammate. So make sure to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. And there's one topic in the book that I thought was so important and interesting that I wanted to break it out into its own episode. And so today we're going to talk about ethical visibility within remote teams. And so the first question I want to start with, Wayne, is what is ethical visibility? Okay, so... I think universally it is agreed that for managers, the biggest challenge when you've got some people in the office and some people remote or everybody is literally out of sight, out of mind. Makes sense. We are visual creatures. We, it's not that I am ignoring Marissa. I'm just literally not thinking about her at this moment. Right. Right. And when we work in the office, there are visual cues. I see you walking across the room and go, aha, I need to talk to her. Or, you know, you're banging your head on your monitor and I need to go, perhaps I should check on her and make sure she's okay. Right. Or back away slowly. Conversely, for teammates and, and individual contributors, it can very often feel like we're in the void. And perhaps in the office, we were in the thick of things. We were always included in meetings and people would ask us questions and we got the cool assignments and all of a sudden we're not on that project team that sounded so cool. Mm-hmm. And people aren't asking us things and, and we are literally invisible largely to our teammates. Okay. And this can lead to some interesting challenges like, the formation of clicks where the people in the office are kind of the home team and they get all the cool assignments and the people who are remote, yeah, they get left alone to get their work done, but they don't feel as much as part of the team. Right. And so how do you overcome that? Well, the way you overcome that is to become visible to your manager, to your teammates. Okay. The visibility part is fairly simple. The problem is that so many of us have been taught, don't brag, don't draw attention to yourself, yep. keep your, you know, the nail that sticks its head up gets whacked with a hammer. <laughs> uh, and, and most importantly, we have been taught something that is patently untrue, mm-hmm. which is if you just keep your head down and do a good job, the work will speak for itself. And it never has and it never will be enough. Mm-hmm. Right. The thing is, when you are visible, physically visible to others, and the work is good, there is a connection that gets made. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, a lot of us can toil in the vineyards doing really good work, and nobody really knows what we're doing or how much we care or whatever. So the key we added to this is not just to be visible, but do it ethically. Do it in a way that isn't selfish, that isn't attention-seeking per se. I mean, yes, I want attention for my work, but it's not like, look at me, look at me, what a needy little weasel I am. <laughs> it's, it's not about that. Right. So how can we do that? Well, it's it takes 
a little practice, uh, and this is really important to me because I don't think there is anything in my career that has been as important mm -hmm. as doing this. Okay. Uh, and so let me tell the story first, and then I will explain how you do it. Because there are three factors, I think, to being ethically visible. Uh, my first big boy job, I worked at a company that had different divisions around the country, and we were a very small, unimportant part of that on the West Coast. But the company was bought and sold several times in a short period of time. And throughout that, all the craziness that goes with buyouts and reorgs and things, and a lot of people were losing their jobs, and I kept getting promoted. And okay. I kept with the organization and eventually they moved me to Chicago and they weren't relocating anybody paid to reload me to Chicago. Well, why did that happen? Because when all the crazy started, most of my colleagues went into turtle mode. Okay. The woman in Cleveland and the people in Detroit and the woman in Texas, basically keep my head down, do my job and everything will be fine. But the thing that I did that was different was I put my hand up. Yeah. Right? How can I help? I'm not hiding. I want to help. And as new people were coming in, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the people who were going to help, the people who were going to make this transition easier and not just be compliant, but actually have a stake in making it work and that notion of becoming visible of tearing of stepping up i became the person that other people came to to ask what my colleagues were thinking you became a teammate and instead of just a team member i was like a talked teammate about last time. instead of just a team member and my teammates were coming to me and saying what do you hear what do you and even though I was literally the only person with my position in the LA office, mm -hmm. I had a visibility to the rest of the organization that most of my peers did not have. There you go. And yet I am a good raised Baptist boy who keeps hearing my mother's voice in my head every time I draw attention to myself. And so how do I do that and not be a weasel about it? Mm -hmm. And I think there are a couple of factors that, so here is your, about how do you do that? Perfect. The first thing I think is it's about the team. It's not about me specifically. It's the team. Okay. So what can I and do to benefit the team? So how is what I'm about to do benefiting the team? And is it seen as benefiting the team? And a really simple way you can check that, listen for the language okay. that you use. For example, if I have a question, if I think they're doing something just asinine and I go, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Versus, you know, I've been talking to my colleagues and we have questions. That's a totally different mindset. It's a different mindset. I versus we. 
it also gives the team credit. You know, we have been talking and we think. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, here's what we should do. But the I versus we, us versus them, those types of words, language is extremely powerful. And I know that I'm a writer and I get all geeked out about this <laughs> stuff, but the words that we use are really important. So the first thing is that ethical visibility is ultimately about the team. So you're thinking teammate versus individual contributor right. to get to the conversation that we had two episodes ago. Go look it up. <laughs> uh, the, the second up. thing, and I'm not looking at my notes, so I'm doing this from memory. But I think the second thing about ethical visibility is that it really tries to stay focused on the work. Okay. And it's about that productivity piece, right? We need to make sure that everything else is about the work. Nobody cares what you think if it's going to get in the way of the work getting done and the collaboration. Right. And, and the third thing that stops you from being a weasel is it needs to be appropriate to the team culture. This is one that I struggle with. Okay. And, and here, here's why I struggle with it. I take, I, for good or evil, and on <laughs> certain days it's both, I am a very strong personality. I appear far more extroverted than in fact I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm very high energy and I'm usually always looking for the joke. And that's not always the appropriate response. Yes. Uh, and, and really important on teams that stress harmony over conversation. Okay. Uh, if you think about Patrick Lencioni, five dysfunctions of a team, one mm -hmm. of the worst dysfunctions is a fear of conflict, that it's really important that everybody get along. And sometimes conflict can be good. Or well, conflict by definition is good because, uh, I mean, again, you know, go into my giant box of cliches, uh, you know, a match doesn't light without friction. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, conflict is simply there is a difference. Right. Between what one person wants and what somebody else wants. That's not necessarily bad. That's how you get good ideas. That's how things change. Mm -hmm. That's how you help and train people. But if you're willing to acknowledge that, right? If it's more important that everybody get along. So even though I think my idea is really good, but I don't want to make Bob look bad. Okay. So all of a sudden I'm not contributing. I'm not stepping up. And so then the team isn't getting the benefit of whatever the it was that you wanted to The team isn't getting the benefit. And, you know, if I'm sitting in the office and, and Alice is doing her thing and I roll my eyes, my manager might say, Wayne, you sound like you have, you, you, you know, do you have something to say here? And then I would contribute that. But I'm on a Zoom meeting and maybe my camera's on and maybe it's not. But, you know, Alice is going on doing what Alice does, you know, in cyberspace, nobody can hear you scream. <laughs> right. And so 
I may not. Now, on the other hand, if you have a team full of really strong personalities and people are perfectly willing to pull and push, and, and you know, we have people on our team that you know you need to be very gentle in the way you approach things, and we have other people who are decidedly not. Mm-hmm. Well, when dealing with person A, I need to be this. When I'm dealing with person B, I need to be this if we're going to get the work done and people are going to value what I bring to the party. If I come in too hot, people yeah, are going to go, oh, problem. that's Wayne being Wayne. If I don't step up and say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm not sure that's the right answer, we are likely to not only get the wrong answer, but everybody's going to go, well, Wayne didn't say anything. Exactly. Exactly. So the thing about ethical visibility is, yes, we need to be visible and we need to do it in ways that are responsible and grown up and not blatantly self-serving, although ultimately they are self-serving because I want people to know that I do good work and I want to be promoted and I want to be recognized and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, we want to be recognized for the things that we do, especially matter of fact, if we're not being recognized for what we do and we don't feel like our contributions are valid, that's a leading cause of disengagement. Yeah, we start quietly quitting, as we've talked about in a previous episode. Exactly right. And so that balance, and it (laughs) is a balance, and, you know, Wayne has been known to go too far in (laughs) some things, but generally speaking... That's what raised me above my peers. While at the same time, you know, they would acknowledge that I was being a good teammate because I was taking some of the hits. Right. Which is also Uh, busy cowering under their desks. And I was standing there going, uh. (laughs) And, And so when we think about hybrid teams, for example, it's very easy for the manager. You know, line of sight is literally how our brains are wired. And so it's easy for the manager to say, oh, I'm going to give this job to Bob because he's sitting right there. And if he has questions, he can come to justify it all day long. But maybe Bob isn't the right person for that job. Right. Yeah, it might well, be Susie who works two states away. Right. So it might be the manager needs to be cognizant of keeping in mind that there are other people who, you know, am I giving my remote people the same crack at things that I'm giving people in the office? It's also incumbent on Susie to say, hey, wait a minute. I would like to be part of that. Right. I'm interested in that. And so, you know, the thing about long distance teammate is it put some of the onus back on the individuals. You know, long distance leader said, okay, it's the manager's job to make sure all this stuff happens. Well, it's not just the manager's job. We as individual contributors, as teammates, Mm-hmm. have a responsibility. And yes, we have a responsibility to the team and we have a responsibility to ourselves. So if we're sitting there just thinking our work is going to speak for itself, it's likely not. And, you know, that can become a cause for disengagement and turnover and all the horrible things that we worry about. 
yeah, we need to find our voice and speak up, even for those of us like myself, that we are introverts to a capital I. <laughs> but well, we, but and, we need to find that too. And, you know, you have done a very good job of proving yourself invaluable to the team. Mm -hmm. And that's not always synchronous on the Zoom meeting, making a show of things. Of course. You know, those of you listening have no idea how fabulous Marissa is, but the fact of the matter is that we'll be on a meeting and some of us will be yelling and flailing and screaming and carrying on, and she'll just very calmly put the answer in the chat. Yep. Or drop a link to what we're talking about, because while we're busy flailing and arguing, she's saying, hey, you know, she's adding value synchronously but not obviously. Yeah, because I know that if there's a lot of conflict or stuff, like, <laughs> I'm not going to get a word in edgewise. I don't even try. That's just Nor not do you my... want to. Yeah, nor do I want to. Like, I, I'm not a yeller. I'm not, like, I just, I don't do that. But it's like, the chat is right there. Here's the answer. Bye. <laughs> like... And that's, you can remain visible. It's very simple things, mm -hmm. right? Things like contribute, but you don't necessarily have to jump into the fray. You can use the chat. Um, are you using your webcam? You know, a lot of, well, I don't want to use the webcam. I'm not comfortable. I just got back from the gym, whatever. That's so important. I am not saying that you need to use your webcam every call all the time. Of course. If it's a large group meeting, but for one-on-one -on -one conversations, and, and, and we're pretty good about doing that with our manager. Mm -hmm. How good are we about doing that with each other? Absolutely. Right. It matters that I haven't seen Angie in forever mm -hmm. because we don't talk that often. Right. And sometimes a quick phone call is the answer and she hasn't got good Wi-Fi and all that's great. But when I get the chance mm -hmm. to actually talk to her and see her smiling face and make fun of whatever I'm making fun of that day, um, that helps. That matters. Well, yeah, I mean, before you and I started doing this podcast, and for those, you know, that don't know, like Wayne and I work on two separate ends of the business. So we didn't talk a lot before this podcast even happened. But even then it would be like, oh, hey, I have this question. I haven't talked to you a while. Can we just have a Zoom call for that exact reason? It's seeing each other for a second. Let's banter for a second. Oh, what did you cook last week? You know, whatever. These important questions, important relationships. But it was different than just, oh, well, let me just chat over Slack because I just need an answer and that's it. And there are, as we, we said when we were talking about the 3P model in the book, there is a long-term impact of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will bet you that there are people on this who respond to my call before they respond to other people's because they know if nothing else at least it'll be somewhat amusing. <laughs> That's probably true. And do not underestimate that, right? I know if I reach out to certain people, they're going to respond to me before they respond to somebody else because we've built the relationship, because I am relatively fun to work with, because mm -hmm. you know, they know who I am. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there are long-term positive business work impacts as a result. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we get stuff done a heck of a lot faster if you like who you're talking to. And that's with talking about what did you cook for dinner last right. night and how's Wrexham doing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So given all of that, is there such a thing as overdoing it? Oh, of course there is. Uh, nobody, okay, so wants to, like? nobody wants to look needy. That's fair. <laughs> right. Nobody wants to constantly be that person. Uh, you know, it's funny when we've all been on Zoom calls and everybody's kind of quiet, nobody's saying anything. So all of a sudden you have the team lawyer. Okay. That's the, the, the person who, well, nobody else will answer. I'll answer. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I think sometimes I am that person. Go ahead. <laughs> well, but why do you do it? Because you're no trying to help. Nobody else has said anything. You're trying to help. Yeah. You're trying to not make the boss feel bad because nobody's responding. So you'll respond, right? Mm -hmm. We get this in training all the time. There's like two people who answer all the questions and everybody else kind of lets them. Yeah. Well, and I will admit I'm one of those people that, you know, I try not to do that super often because I know that I am that person like growing up in school. Like I was the teacher pet kind of person. That's just me to a T, but I'll wait a beat. And then if nobody says anything, well, okay, I'll do it. Like I, I have the answer and I've given opportunity for somebody else to say anything. And if they don't, okay, well, then I guess I'll do it. And again, you can say, hey, I think it's this, but you know, Alice, you were meeting too. What did you think? Absolutely. So that you can help include people on this. That's a great point. There are a lot of ways to do this. And it goes back, if we think about what is ethical visibility, number one is it's about the team. It's not about you. And if right. you feel like it's becoming about you, it probably is. Yep. Self-awareness for sure. So what kinds of things can we can do to like avoid that or to keep it in check other than just not saying the answer all the time? <laughs> just... You know, just periodically take stock of how am I seen? How am I seen by my manager and how am I seen by my teammates? And as odd as this sounds, ask. Okay. When you have your one-on-one -on -one with your manager, am I participating enough? Am I, you know, I feel like I'm over-contributing. Is that one-on-one -on -one with your manager is a good time to do that. Uh, you know, when you get off a meeting and you go, oh, hey, that didn't go so swell. Do you have somebody that you trust on your team that can go, did I mess that up? Yeah. Did I do okay? Did I handle this right? okay? And that seeking feedback helps to build the relationship. I mean, that's all part of being visible to each other. That's, that's awesome. So um, I know that we've talked a little bit earlier about, you know, as a worker, as a teammate, we want to be recognized and that it's really important to do so. So what can leaders do to recognize their remote workers? I think there are a few things. Uh, the most obvious thing is to remember to do it. Uh, Fair. Seriously, when yeah. you're in the office and you see Bob on his way to the coffee machine, your brain goes, Bob, oh, I should say something to him or I should give him an attaboy or whatever. So the first thing is, are you cognizant of recognizing? The other thing, though, is that when you're remote, you know, Marissa did a really good job on that. And I'm going to make a point of giving her kudos. Marissa, you did a really good job on that. And you know who heard that? Marissa. 
right? So yes, Marissa got the strokes from the manager and the manager says, well, wasn't I a good boss and, and gave her uh, kudos, which is true, but that doesn't benefit the rest of the team. They don't know what a good job he did. This is actually kind of going into something. Um, and, and we used to have an app on our Slack called Matter. We, we no longer have it for a multitude of other reasons, but um, but it did have a channel that was called Kudos for this exact thing. You know, you know, you and I worked together on a project and I could go in there and say, you know, Wayne did really great answering my questions so that way we could get this project done. Or, you know, Marlene did really great at this sales call today that I you know, watched her do or whatever. But we had that in Slack and had this ability to, like you said, not only recognize that person to them, but to everybody. I know that we are running really, really long yeah. on time, but I need to say this. Yes, there are apps that do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you're doing your job, if you're caught, if you're away, you don't need an app. Absolutely to tell you, hey, next team meeting, I should give Marissa a little public praise for this mm -hmm. so that everybody else hears what I already know. Mm -hmm. and, and they go, oh, our teammate is really smart and whatever, and that goes into the memory banks. And so there is no doubt that they understand your competence and your loyalty and all of that good stuff. Now. As a leader, you don't want to put a spotlight on somebody who doesn't want the spotlight. You need to be responsible about how you do this. Mm -hmm. But you're the one as the boss who is in position to make sure that everybody gets the same information right. and that things get transmitted the way that they should. That's your job <laughs> as the boss. Right. Well, and speaking of that, too, because we had an example just today that um, also kind of, you know, highlights some of this, too. You know, we have a monthly team meeting. And one of the things that's being added this year is we have a slide to recognize team members and successes and, you know, shout outs and all those other things. And, you know, we as teammates can go in and do that. But also, like, our boss, Kevin, can go in and say, you know, Marissa did a really great job on that website rebrand last month. And, you know, it, and it's in this public forum as opposed to just on Slack. And to your point, there's no app involved. I mean, okay, there's PowerPoint. But, like, there's nothing reminding him to but do it. But it's about taking the step. The point of all these apps mm -hmm. is that they wouldn't exist if people didn't suck at doing it voluntarily. <laughs> right. And so... You know, that's the purpose of all these apps. Just, if people were good leaders, they wouldn't need the long distance leader and the long distance teammate. They wouldn't need us because they would be doing those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're about out of time. For those of you that are listening to this conversation, if you loved this conversation, if you want to hear more about ethical visibility, let us know. Maybe we'll do a part two later on. Uh, but I just want to say, Wayne, thank you so much for answering my questions today. I think this was a great episode and I'm so glad that we pulled it out uh, just to do its own topic. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for listening to The Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps our show reach more teammates and leaders just like you. 
Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes and let us know you listen to this episode, suggest another topic for Wayne and I to tackle, or tell us you'll want more of this one. We'll take anything. If you'd like to learn more about remote teams, pre-order Wayne and Kevin's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceworklife.com forward slash team. Thanks for joining us. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down.